Are you going to hurt me with that word? Today is Tuesday, the 1st of February, 2022. Feast of St. Ignatius. The one from Antioch. Yeah, don't 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 be confusing your Ignati. <laughs> was it, wasn't it you that did that the other As day? As I it's did. Like, wait, As the Jesuit? Did, yes. not, no, 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 yes. no, no. Yes. The father, the father. <laughs> so welcome to episode 166 of the Barnhart Podcast. This is Mark Doherty along with Anne. And yes, I, I, I glanced at the calendar as we were deciding on a recording date. And uh, the the calendar for the week is, is printed on the front of the bulletin. And it, it just said, St. Ignatius and my, you know, I had my mind bent by Jesuits for a number of years. So my mind just went to Ignatius Loyola. It took me a minute and I realized, no, he's in the summer sometime. So it must be Ignatius of Antioch. And sure enough. Sure enough. Sure enough. (laughs) Which, you know, if if you do have, um, I'm getting more and more um, uh, comments in on the blog and emails from folks who are, uh, some of them um, quite along in years, who are finally, mm-hmm. finally recognizing that Protestantism is not the end of man. And Catholicism, and, and how great God is, that despite everything that's been happening for the last nine years with the anti-papacy, the people are finally turning and starting to dig and starting to discover that, oh, wait, the Catholic faith might be the one true faith. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I've been saying this from the beginning. You know, you you note that Satan isn't aggressively going after the United Methodists or, or the right. know, for, for, first, first, uh, first Civic Presbyterian Church. You know, he's just not expending the capital on any of that, and there's a reason for that. And I think a lot of people are waking up to it and seeing with with the Bergoglian anti-papacy and how he's just, I mean, integral to the Freemasonic New World Order, One World Government, and the COVID putsch, how the anti-papacy is so interwoven in that. Yeah, I think you're right. I think a lot of Protestants are waking up and going, okay, so th- things didn't start with Luther in in the early 1500s or things didn't start with Henry VIII or things didn't start when Pastor Kevin opened the um Karen. store Pastor Karen <laughs> and 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 her husband well probably Pastor Karen might have a wife um didn't it, you know Christianity didn't start when they opened their storefront church at the strip mall that also has the um the hobby lobby you know i mean and that's and that's sort of that's sort of where i was going with St Ignatius of Antioch which is point these people if you've got protestants who are considering who are finally open to catholicism you have to point them back to the fathers yeah. because oh, yeah. that's where they're going to discover that the the what probably the most famous thing that St. Ignatius is, is known for is his extensive writing about the hierarchy of the church mm-hmm. in the first century. <laughs> first and second century, yeah. So and he's not <laughs> he's not arguing for in favor of the hierarchy, bishops, priests, 
the Pope. He's he's simply talking about it as if it's common knowledge yeah. and you know already established. So guess what? It was. And, and, and who established it? And where were they at the time when it was established? Right, exactly. Our exactly. Lord in the upper room, uh, both at... Um, um, you know, after his resurrection and at Pentecost, you know, before before he ascended into heaven and then at Pentecost, which is which is actually considered the birthday of the church, so to speak. But, you know, that's even that's a nuanced question because many, many theologians say that the church emerged from the side of our Lord when um, Longinus stuck the spear into him and out comes the waters of baptism and the blood of the Eucharist out of our Lord's side hanging on the cross. There's the church. Um, and, and the first, the first baptism and the first reception of, and the first reception of the, of the Eucharist in a certain sense of the church was the Roman centurion who was baptized with the water from our Lord's pericardium and then was sprayed with his blood. And that was the first instance of, of baptism and Eucharist in a certain sense. So, Hmm. yeah. Never thought all. about that that way. Isn't that, isn't that something? Isn't it's that interesting, something? yes. Mm-hmm. So the uh, just to close off this business of uh, the Feast of St. Ignatius, um, he's actually got, I haven't been to Mass yet today, but I'm going right after this. He's actually got, uh, has the honor of having, uh, well, having the honor of being a bishop and martyr, but he actually has his own words as the communion verse Mm-hmm. at his feast and it was it, it was <laughs> they were his they were his last words which are i am the wheat of christ may i be ground by the teeth of beasts that i may be found pure bread mm-hmm. saint ignatius pray for us pray for us and and also let us hasten to remind the listenership that today is the vigil Yes. Of one of our absolute favorite feasts here at the Barnhart Podcast, um, the Feast of the Presentation of Our Lord in the Temple and the Purification of Our Lady. And this this feast, the second of February, uh, the feast of the pure, uh, the feast of the Presentation and the Purification. This feast is the which which joyful mystery one two three four a fourth joyful mystery, the fruit of which is obedience, obedience and love of the law love of the law baby because what because is the law Anne? what is the law it's god telling us please do these things to not hurt me and not hurt yourselves because when you hurt yourselves you hurt me and in a sense he is the law itself he is and truth. he is the law himself he is the law himself indeed and if there was anyone ever in the history of everything who didn't need to go to the temple. And from the eighth day after his nativity, um, he was, of course, circumcised. Well, I mean, he's God himself. Does he really have to be circumcised in order to initiate himself into Israel? He is God. So again, why was this done? Why did our Lord submit himself to the proto-passion and allow his blood to be spilled at a circumcision? Why Why did Our Lady and Saint Joseph take him, take the infant Jesus to be presented at the temple in, you know, following the law and to, you know, make the sacrifice. 
And why did Our Lady need to be purified? Why did she need to go to the temple and go through the purification ritual for, for women who had just given birth? I mean, Our Lord is God. Our Lady is conceived without the sin, conceived without the, the stain of original sin. Um, her birth, her birth of Our Lord was was uh, miraculous. So her her virginity was completely maintained. Um, she she was completely pure. There was no need for any of this to happen. Why did they do it? Precisely what the fruit of of the mystery of the rosary tells us: love of the law and obedience. Giving that example to all of us. That, exactly. Yes, you do. You do follow these laws. Uh, look, I'm following these laws, and I'm God. I'm God Almighty, and I'm following these laws. This is my mother. She's literally perfect. She's following the law. She's going through this. The, the, she is completely pure. She has no need of, of purification, and yet she goes to the temple and goes through the rite of purification. Why? Because the law is important. Because, as you said, it is Him, and when when you disrespect the law, think about it. If they had not done these things, what would everybody ever after say? They would have said, well, you don't, you don't have to do that. Look, uh, Our Lady St. Joseph, they blew it all off. Our, our Lord himself, you know, he's, he's God. He's a, he's a little baby, but he's still running the show. And they blew it all off. You, you don't have to do any of this stuff. Uh-uh-uh-uh-uh. No. They did it because we have to do it. And when, oh, here, here's a big fat rat that's, that's really the base premise of this, of this episode of the Barnhart podcast. When you give authority to people or bodies that don't actually have authority, when you obey someone who shouldn't be obeyed, what you're doing is you're actually attacking the entire authority structure, the legitimate authority structure in and of itself, and you are actually attacking the entire notion of obedience, the virtue of obedience in and of itself. When you start playing these pick and choose, you know, cafeteria games, which is exactly the chaos that the Bergolian anti-papacy is, is yielding. People are giving authority to Bergoglio, who is an apostate criminal, an apostate usurper criminal anti-pope, but because everyone insists upon playing these virtue signaling games of saying, oh, look how pious I am, and I'm in complete union with Pope Francis, and well, we, we have to do what he says, and then they turn around and they're saying, well, we get around it by doing this, we get around it by, by not doing that, da 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 and, pl and playing these games, you're attacking authority itself. You're attacking obedience in itself as a virtue. You are ruthlessly attacking the papacy. You're, do you're, you're leveling more of an attack against the papacy than the Freemasons ever, ever could have, ever could have. 
you are doing the fullness of what the Freemasonic agenda since 1717 and then all the way back before that, back when it was Kabbalah and back all the way back to Jerusalem in, in the first days after our Lord's death and resurrection and ascension, because it goes all the way back to the beginning, okay? You're attacking the papacy and just hamstringing the whole deal because you'd rather say, oh, I'm in union with this anti-pope than even ask the question of what exactly went on in February of 2013? Did, did Pope Benedict really resign? Because that all seems really weird. You would rather destroy the papacy, which is what all these trading people are doing. And we're going we're gonna to get into this and we're going to go after Peter Kwasniewski. We're going to go after all these people who are at war against the papacy and, try, and doing everything that the Freemasons want them to do. They're saying, oh, well, you know, clearly... Francis has proven that the papacy was just a big misunderstood mistake all the way back. Vatican I was wrong. It's all been a big disaster. And we, we have got to minimize and, and completely um, change the way that the church regards the papacy. And I just, right, I that just the, sit that here and shake real, my head. The, that the, real, the real power lies in the College of Bishops and the Pope is just... Yep. Uh, you know the first among the the first among equals and well meaning meaningless figurehead is basically right. what it boils down to yeah and let's let's be clear here folks the um the moral duty toward disobedience holds even for valid authority if the laws are unjust sure so how much more does it hold that disobedience oh, yeah. is required if the authority itself is false. Yep. And that's what we're talking about here. And the more that you fight against it and recognizing, not even not even wanting to recognize that, well, maybe there's something here that should be investigated because we seem to have a situation on our hands that is relatively unprecedented in the history of the church. And don't let anyone tell you that it's not. Yeah, right. Because yep. it's completely unprecedented. Yep. So maybe we should, we also have this, um, we have a, a complete apostate heretic, whatever you want to call him, squatting on the seat of Peter. But we also have this other guy hanging around. Yeah. And this is also completely unprecedented. In fact, um, Pope Benedict, for some reason, didn't even bother to write into canon law the possibility of a Pope Emeritus no. before he did whatever it is that he did. I mean, there's just so many things. Did absolutely nothing. He read He read out a poorly constructed, um, well, unclear... Maybe, maybe, maybe not. Maybe, maybe not. Um, profoundly unclear at the absolute best. And the, at profound unclarity, that, that in and of itself could be well argued to be um, a disqualifying characteristic of a papal resignation. If it's just, if it's just so damn nebulous, you can't even, what are you saying? I, I don't even think that. I think, I think that there is a clarity there. And he, he very clearly said, I'm, I'm no longer going to be doing, doing the active ministry. I can no longer do it. So I am resigning the ministry of what is it? The Episcopacy of Rome or whatever, however it is, he says it in Latin. Um, 
it, it, there's there's that profound and clarity. And then beyond that, I think a lot of people don't realize. They think, okay, he did that little announcement thing, you know, like Nixon held a press conference and, and said he was going to resign. Yeah, but you have to actually resign at some point. You have to write a document, which which Nixon did, that says, I, I resign the office, of, the office of the presidency of the United States at effective noon today, signed Richard Nixon, stamped by Kissinger. There it is. It's done. I think a lot of people don't realize that Pope Benedict, you know, on, on the evening of the Feb of 28 February 2013, he got in a helicopter, he flew down to Castel Gandolfo um, at, quarter, at quarter to 8 p.m. or whatever. He appears on the, the little balcony there and all the people are there crying and cheering and cheering and crying. And he gives a very nice little speech and then goes in the house. I was about to say Nixon's helicopter really took him away. Yeah, Nixon's helicopter really <laughs> took him back to Yorba Linda. Uh, Pope Benedict did not go to Yorba Linda. He went down to the papal vacation villa. <laughs> Hello. He goes out, waves, says goodbye to everybody, goes in the house, the clock strikes eight. Guys, he never, he never wrote one letter, not one scratch. He never wrote any document, nothing, saying I resign. You say, well, he's the Pope, he can do what he wants, blah, blah, blah. Don't you, th don't you think it's a touch suspect? Don't you think it's a little bit weird that, there, that he did nothing, he did absolutely nothing to, to codify any of this in any way? Then, you know, after, I don't know how long he stayed down there, eh, you know, he, he took a nice little break down there, gets in a helicopter, flies right back to the Vatican, wearing white, going by the papal name, going by the papal style Holy Father, living inside the Vatican, publicly visible, um, corresponding, sign, signing his name to documents, writing books, writing books, confirming the brethren. And it's speculated in Rome, um, quite credibly, that one of the reasons that uh, Antipope Bergoglio has started in with this whole crusade against the Latin mass is vengeance against Pope Benedict Ratzinger for having written that book confirming uh, priestly celibacy with Cardinal Robert Serra. Um, apparently Bergoglio just lost his mind when Pope Benedict released that and threw a fit and, you know, people got fired and all kinds of things happened. Um, because one of the attributes, one of the jobs of the Holy Father is to confirm the brethren. And that's exactly what Pope Benedict did. He saw, he knew what, what Bergoglio's agenda was and still is, and he thwarted it. Um, and so now the thought is, is it's not just because Bergoglio is sick and dying. Um, I've been told, I mean, if he has pancreatic cancer, he's the fattest pancreatic cancer sufferer I've ever seen, but I have been assured um, by people who are very well connected in Rome that Bergoglio's um, bedroom suite in the luxury hotel that he lives in, because he doesn't live in the Apostolic Palace, because the Apostolic Palace is where the Pope lives, and of mm -hmm. course Bergoglio isn't the Pope, but in his, in his suite in the um, luxury hotel Casa Santa Marta that he lives in, that apparently his bedroom is basically an ICU suite just filled with machines. Like, I don't know if it's dialysis or whatever it is, but that he's, he's getting treatments 
every night he's just hooked up to machines like a Borg, you know, mm. and he's getting pump full, pump full of cortisone and all these other kinds of things. Um, and that he, he is in very, very bad health. So yeah, I think the motivation for him going after the Latin mass certainly is that he thinks he thinks he doesn't have too much longer to, to live on earth before he, if he doesn't repent of all this, before he goes to his particular judgment and then almost certainly gets sent to the deepest pits of hell, but that it's all, he's also doing it out of spite and vengeance against Pope Benedict Ratzinger for having written that book, ratifying priestly celibacy with Cardinal Sarah. So, and probably also for vengeance that he hasn't died yet. Yeah, think exactly. about how irritating that is. Yep, yep. Well, we've said it once; we'll say it again. Um, if God wants Pope Benedict Ratzinger alive, nothing can kill him, including the coof, including death injections, anything. And if God wants Pope Benedict Ratzinger dead, nothing can prevent it. So, I mean. Yep. The, the divine providence is, is in charge of all of this, as we remind people at almost, on almost every episode of this podcast. And um, as I said in the last episode, this is, this is a boil that is being lanced. And apparently, I really didn't appreciate that, that metaphor. It's just it's kind of it sticking with me. Yeah. <laughs> yep, the, it's a boil that is being lanced. And apparently, and are, are any of us surprised by this? The thing is so full of pus that we, oh, it's still gushing pus. So this just, this is going to keep going as long as that boil is still gushing out pus, which it is. So, you know, bring it. Yep. Yep. You know, you, I'm, I'm noodling this point that you brought up that I, I've thought about it before, but it's it's kind of uh, this whole thing about the what, what tense did he write the Declaratio in, and in saying that you're going to resign on 28 February 2013, well, that's one thing, but then don't you actually have to resign on 28 yeah, February uh -huh. 2013? And you know, you know this, Mark, but maybe some of the listenership don't remember this or have never heard this before. From the very first moment, immediately, like before the 13th of March, before anything happened with, with anti-Pope Bergoglio usurping, there were Italian canon lawyers jumping up and down, screaming, saying, nope, absolutely not. You cannot do this. You cannot say that you are going to resign the papacy at some, at some point in the future. That, that's not, you can't do this. This is all wrong. This is invalid. They were saying that this is invalid. And of course, they just got completely censored by the Freemasonic media and by the Freemasonic infiltrated institutional church. McCarrick and all the rest of them were not about to let that get out into the press or get out, get out into the conversation in any way. They were going to make it happen. It was push, 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 go, 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 go. And in fact, I think technically there had to be something overridden about starting starting the conclave that the conclave was supposed is supposed to start. I mean, and that even wasn't a conclave. So let's just be clear. What happened in March of 2013 was a was a big gay social gathering of cardinals, pretty much. Um, but. It, it, the law says that the conclave is supposed to start two weeks after. And they said, oh, no, we're just going to skip that. Because remember, uh, Bergoglio usurped and, and, you know, started squatting on the Petrine Sea on the 13th of March. So that isn't even two weeks. They started 
like on the 11th or the 12th. So, I mean, the, the whole thing is just one huge visible signal after another that this is completely hinky. And the, it, it, the, one of the things that just absolutely blows my mind is we're nine years into this and still to this day, nobody, nobody said, you know what, we need to just pump our brakes here for a second and take a look at this. Nobody. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Nobody. It's the just go, weeks, go, 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 go. Uh-huh. That's the, the how The two weeks thing I think is okay because that's designed to allow travel once a, mm -hmm. once, once, you know, if the, once the Pope dies, you can't start a conclave right away. You have to give the Cardinals time to, to gather. Whereas, and, oh, and there's an official, there's an official mourning period presuming that there is a dead pontiff too. So mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Whereas in this case, obviously Benedict, well, we're, obviously holding firm that he's still Pope, but mm -hmm. he gave them two weeks until the resignation became effective. Right. So that, you know, it's sort of the, 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 the same period of time. But yes, it was less than 24 hours. There were three or four mm -hmm. canon lawyers and theologians that within 24 hours, and it's documented, it's probably all scrubbed at this point, but I know I got a post up about it, or I copied and pasted it. Maybe it was Tassadi that uh, that published it. I but, think it was, yeah. I think it was Tassadi. Yeah, significant yep. irregularities with yep. regards to the um, the words that were used and the way it was phrased, that yep. it was obvious to, to people right away that there was something not right. Yep. And then, yep. of course, as those two weeks unfolded, you know, church historians and, and theologians and whatnot were, were giving interviews or writing articles about what was going to happen next in terms of, well, when a pope resigns, here's what we can expect. And of yeah. course, it was everything from going, you know, obviously uh, relinquishing the papal white and relinquishing, uh, the, yes. relinquishing <laughs> the form of address and mm -hmm. you know would he go back to bavaria or you know what would be mm -hmm. the the um uh the smashing of the fisherman's ring none of mm -hmm. this happened nope. none of this happened folks nope and so as these articles and interviews were coming out one by one benedict was correcting them oh no i'm not doing that oh no no yeah uh, that, that's not what oh, i'm no. doing yep but well, of we, course, of course, he he had he had a, he he very graciously clarified that the reason he was still wearing white is because there were no black cassocks in the city of Rome for him to wear. Mm. So you know, I mean, clearly, still the case. Obviously. Still the case. Still nine the case. years later. Nine <laughs> years later. Oh, by the way, there was a there was a picture posted yesterday taken on the thirty first of January of Pope Benedict sitting with some bishop who is throwing that godforsaken Freemasonic hand signal again. Mm -hmm. I'm so I try not to go off on you know kind of rabbit holy things like you know weird weird hand signals i have never in my life held my hands in that position that those people are constantly doing i'm trying to do it right now and it just, just try to it's, try to do it it's, it's like <laughs> it's annoying it's uncomfortable it's just there's nothing about it that's good and they're constantly doing that around him and when they're photo ops and public appearances, some somebody, Gans Wine somebody, is throwing this 
Freemasonic fingertip thing hand signal, and it's just super creepy. But anyway, there's Pope Benedict sitting there, and you know, guys, he's 95 years old. I mean, you say, oh, he he looks well. He looks bad because he's he's a 95 year old man, and um, boy, the human body does after the age of eight, uh, after the age of 90, especially. The human body starts basically reverting to infancy in a certain sense. I mean, bodily proportions change, quality of the skin changes. Um, I was telling the group the other uh, last night that when when my grandmother turned 90, 91, it was absolutely amazing. All of the wrinkles fell out of her face. Mm-hmm. When she died, her the, the skin on her face was as smooth as mine. It was it was weird. Um, you know, and pe- people, their physiognomies change when they get to be that old. So he looks old, but he is dressed to the nines. He's in a super high quality white cassock. He's got a beautifully tailored, it looks like it might even be cashmere or something, um, coat. He's got a scarf on. He has a very high quality white beret on. I mean, there's money being spent to this day on his wardrobe, mm-hmm. and he and he looks regal. He is as he should be. He is he is extremely well dressed. That's that's one of the things that everybody in Rome, since the Burgoyan usurpation, that they just they laugh and laugh and laugh at him walking around in that cheap see-through white polyester cassock that he wears with with his black pants completely visible underneath that i mean Mm -hmm. it's they're all laughing at him because he doesn't look like he doesn't look regal he doesn't look like a monarch he doesn't look like a man of authority he looks like some sort of a damn gutter criminal who's who's trying he's like you know he's like a he's like the the gangster rapper trying to look like a a a man of authority or something i mean it's it's the same vibe as a you know as a kanye west or something trying to look like that they're they're this this great man and great it's just it's just a pathetic transparent and his cassock literally is transparent pathetic transparent attempt at trying to masquerade as something that you are not. So yeah, there's a lot. This is this is trivial. The matters of you know, of uh, Bergoglio's <laughs> Bergoglio's sartorial choices is in the big picture. It's trivial, but it's well, you know, it isn't. It isn't. I mean, it's part of the visibility of the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and God being good, and 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 yeah. you know, having these things be so glaringly out in the open that any one of them taken aside is you know borderline meaningless but if you have 10 of these things all yeah. pointing towards the same thing yeah you, you've, you've got to pay attention yep exactly so all i right. think there were two uh so much for the warm-up yeah uh, <laughs> now yeah folks we we have new we we have new territory that we're going to cover on this i've i we're not just we're not just grinding over the same stuff over and over again but having said that i still get emails on a near daily basis from people saying, thank you. I mean, you're just, if it weren't, if it weren't for you guys, and there are a few other people around who talk about this stuff too, if it weren't for you guys, I'd think I was going crazy 
but you're not, you're not. We, we all see it, we all know what's going on. So it doesn't, it doesn't hurt to rehash this stuff a little bit. So the two, I think, main things, this is all about preparation and sort of getting your proper bearing on things that are probably gonna happen in the pretty near future. Mm-hmm. The one is around the mass and you know some of the same sources out of Rome that have been right about the last few things that have happened here in the last six months are saying that there's another document coming in March. For that, on Ash Wednesday, on Ash Wednesday, <laughs> yeah. Oh, great, great. Yeah. So that's uh, March 2nd, I believe. Um, so be ready for that, uh, you know, as much as you can be ready for something that you don't know what it really is, but you have a pretty good suspicion of what it is. And if you're a traditional Latin mass Catholic, you're going to have some decisions to make because mm-hmm. if you don't have the SSPX nearby, um, I don't know what's going to happen, but you, you better get your head around some, some disappointing decisions that are that may be made by some of the ecclesia day groups and this goes right back to the beginning of the of the podcast where we're talking about uh the the uh moral duty mm-hmm. towards disobedience in the face of unjust laws so i don't unjust know if you want to start there and illegitimate Ill- illegitimate authority and um you usurped authority yeah it's so the point they- there with the with the well and the sspx says Francis is Pope as well, but it's yeah, especially- I mean, we're getting to that. They're they're not they're not pure as the wind driven snow in any of this either. So right, yeah, right. So the point being that even if you do think Francis is Pope, you still have this moral duty towards disobedience of unjust laws. And yeah. if he's going to stamp out the traditional Latin Mass, a hundred percent abrogated, well you're going to be called on by God to do something about that if you're a cleric in one of these um in one of these societies. So Yeah. um I know well, there and, are know, I was tickled because you you send an email it was to me and to Dr. Matza, I think. And it was your it was your what's it going to take email. Do you have that in front of you? Um I don't. And you asked me to 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 I actually looked for it and I and I couldn't find it. But what was well, hold the on. Let, Maybe I can find it in mine. You talk for a second. Let me see okay. if I can find it. So just we'll, we'll, we'll circle back to this, but the the uh, okay, the, Jen Saki. Uh, the uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, my hair is much nicer. Um, <laughs> so the 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 other side of this is uh, being prepared for. Um, well, what if one of them dies? What if Benedict? dies first, then what's going to happen? What if Francis dies first? What's going to happen? What if, if Francis dies first and they, and they call a conclave, what is, what does that mean? And what, what are we to think? Yeah. So we kind of need to walk through those decision points and, and make sure everyone understands that, uh, you know, when the sea is vacant, the sea won't be vacant until the sea is vacant. And if you have moral certainty around, uh, the fact that Benedict is is still Pope, then the seat is occupied until right. he dies. It's, and this don't isn't... don't you dare let anybody um, bully you into anything else. If Benedict is alive and he hasn't he hasn't validly resigned, <laughs> and let me remind everyone, let's just do a little thought exercise. If tomorrow morning, Pope Benedict Ratzinger issued a document 
saying, I, it's be, be, presumably under the guise of, well, there, there's been chatter that you didn't validly resign. So here we are nine years later, just, just draft a letter and issue a thing and, and say that you resign. You, you guys realize what that would mean, right? Mm-hmm. It would mean that he was he was pope all along because you can't resign an office that you weren't that you aren't holding. So if he issued a resignation tomorrow morning, what that would serve to do is prove that he had been the pope all along. And he, he could do that. He could theoretically do that. He could resign tomorrow morning. He's not going to do that. I don't think he's going to do that. Um, but it. it you you have to think logically and make sure you're 100 percent rock solid on all of these contingencies and logical progressions because if you aren't these people are going to come at you they're going to be screaming at you that you're a set of acantus they're going to be screaming at you that you're this screaming at you that you're that and the guys there are just rock solid logical defensible objectively visible answers to every single thing that these people can come at you with you've got to be ready to answer so do we let how do we want to start we want to start with since everybody's talking about the fact that bergoglio is dying let's start with what if bergoglio dies right so if bergoglio dies and everything uh remains in the state of play that it's in right now in terms of the you know pretty much the universal church um on the surface anyway, uh, saying that he was a valid pontiff, then the Cardinals are going to call a conclave that will be another, another. invalid conclave. Yep. So uh, as, as the faithful, what should we all do if Bergoglio croaks? We should immediately start making as much noise as we possibly can. And I'm thinking of like Canadian truckers leaning on their horns, you know, nonstop, that kind mm -hmm. of noise. Jumping up and down, you know, tweeting at Cardinal Burke. If you've got Cardinal Burke's email, emailing Cardinal Burke, doing everything you possibly can all day, every day, saying you cannot call a conclave. You cannot call a conclave as long as Ratzinger is alive because he never, he never validly resigned the first time. He's still the Pope. If you do this, you are going to have another anti-Pope. Mm -hmm. And this, this is not unprecedented. There have been um, consecutive anti-Popes, Anacletus II and then Victor IV Conti. There, there's two in a row. There have been um, consecutive anti-Papacies. So the onus will be on us, and whether or not we're successful or not, that doesn't even matter. But our moral obligation and responsibility will be to jump up and down and scream from the rooftops, you cannot call a conclave, it will be invalid, stop this. Just, just stop, and somebody, Cardinal Burke, uh, investigate what what in the hell went on in February of 2013. Don't even, don't even make a moral declaration. Just call for an investigation. It's it's not that hard, or yeah. at least it shouldn't be. And I shudder to think now maybe maybe the the death of Bergoglio in the scenario that we're describing will finally be the uh, impetus for uh, Cardinal Burke or someone else to summon up the the moral fortitude to at least say. Wait a minute. Before we do this conclave thing, 
there's some irregularities going back uh-huh. to 2013 that need to be that need to be investigated. Maybe the death of Bergoglio will finally be the thing because apparently the loss of thousands of souls over the past nine years of heresy hasn't been enough to get anybody. Oh no, to- that hasn't been enough. No, and you know what? We need to hold every one of their feet to the fire because I can tell you, I know this for an absolute fact. The line in Rome and the line amongst amongst almost all of the clergy who cling to some semblance of Catholicism, what they have been saying all along for the past nine years is, we just have to wait until he's dead. All right, he's dead. You told us Mm. to wait. Now he's dead. What are you going to do? Are you going to act? Are you going to ask some questions? You told us to wait. Wait until he's dead. There's nothing we can do until he is dead. He's dead. Now do it. What what you were what you were talking about or thinking about doing after he died? Okay. God has handed it to you. Are you going to do anything? Or are you just going to keep going and saying, well, there's nothing we can do. <laughs> you have to hold these effeminates feet to the fire and go at them with that. If, if in fact, Bergoglio uh, dies first. So that's another thing. You know, m- make them eat their own words. Make them answer what, what we've been waiting for or what they think they've been waiting for. Yeah. Right, right. You know, it's interesting because the 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 whole notion that um, let me back up. I guess there there there's a certain um, possibility that Benedict did what he did on purpose. And I know you're not a fan yes. of this, Anne, but there's uh, a mean, possibility. I, no, but I, I concede a percentage. I mean, I'd call it like if I had to lay a percentage on it, I'd say. 85, 15, I'd say 85 that he just purely quit and, and mm-hmm. ran away. But I'll, I'll leave you about 15 that there was, there was uh, evasion um, and premeditation and all of this to get, to get away from the Freemasons and to get away from the Sodomites, yeah. Well, or a combination of that and saving the church from uh, being actually conquered by the Freemasonic Marxist mm-hmm. sodomites because he's still Pope. Mm-hmm. So they they think they've conquered it. The, the, you know, there's visual evidence that they've conquered it. We've got, you know, a near universal recognition that Francis is Pope. Um, but but they're they, still sweating. They're still they sweating have, and they're still right, nervous. <laughs> right. It's interesting, isn't yeah. it? Isn't it? Isn't it? <laughs> There's only, I mean, guys, there's less than a million trads in the world. I think a lot of people don't realize this. There's only, it's, I think it's numbered in the hundreds of thousands, even with the growth, even with the growth that we've seen in the last 15 years or so, there's not very many trads. Why is all of this effort being um, put forth against, I mean, you know, the, the church is what, 1.2 billion? 1. 2, yeah, 1.2, 1.2 billion, and you're going after a few hundred thousand people? There must be a reason for that. <laughs> Indeed. So now, you know, going back, again, circling back to the thing about how Satan isn't going after the United Methodists. Well, what's the other side of that coin? Who is he going after? Mm-hmm. Hardcore. 
He's going after the trad Catholics. So what does that tell you? <laughs> that tells you not only is the Catholic Church the one true church, but it also tells you that the, the mass of, of Gregory the Great and Pius V is what causes Satan to quake in his, in his um, bestocking hooved feet, you know? I mean, yeah, it, look, look at the situation. Look at the tactical situation. Look who your enemy's afraid of. Look at where your enemy's gaze is and then, you know, fi figure out, well, that's, that's where I need to be. That's where I need to go. Yep. Yep. And, you know, especially if at some point that the venerable right becomes the only valid right. And uh -huh. Father Paul Kramer of Fatima Center is now on record as saying that he he believes that, and, and this is a guy who presumably, I think he knows the third secret. Mm -hmm. And he's saying that he foresees anti-Pope Bergoglio invalidating the yes. Novus Ordo. Well, there's no, I mean, this is, this, you don't even have to have the, have Fatima for this. This is in scripture. This is in Daniel. This is, hmm. this is, this is, this is, the eternal sacrifice has, will be taken away. It, the eternal sacrifice will be taken away. And the Novus Ordo, although it's wildly illicit, especially, oh, everybody's seen uh, the priest in Florida with the, mm -hmm. oh, <laughs> Oh boy. Now, I mean, and we laugh and, and, but talking about God making things visible. So Antipope Bergoglio comes out with this filthy document and says that the Novist Ordo is the, what, the unique expression of the Roman Rite. Mm, mm -hmm. And then immediately you've got this just unbelievably gay um talk about the the unrequited unfulfilled dreams of being an off-broadway um jazz dancer this guy is just over the top we'll have to put this in the show notes we'll, we'll have to put a link to it just in case there's somebody out there look listening. At it. <laughs> i know my goodness if well, you don't know what we're talking about it's it's the it's a, a novus ordo priest at the cranmer table uh replacing the penitential rite, which actually any priest has the option to replace the penitential rite in the Novus yeah. Ordo. It's, options, options, know, options. Yes. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So instead of the penitential rite, he's he's uh, he's conducting uh, sort of New Age breathing exercises yes. and sort. Of, I mean, it's it's satanic when you get right down to it. Oh it's, yeah. You know, it's it's. Uh, yeah, but so this is a streaming mass. Out. He's this this it's all set up with cameras and the entire point of this is it's a streaming mass. So he's standing at the picnic table ironing board, Cranmer table, and the camera is is right in front of it. So it's almost it would be as if he were a news anchor sitting sitting at, at a set at a news desk. Everything is built to be on camera. This is a camera driven production. But there's, it's not just the priest. You should see the toadies that he's got around him. There's a, there's a lectorette, you know, there's this boomer, you know, 70-year-old woman who's the lectorette, who's, you know, very earnestly looking into the camera and saying, welcome to the third Sunday after Epiphany. And, well, you know, I mean, it's just... Well, she's saying third Sunday in ordinary time, but go ahead. Oh, that's right. That's right. Sorry. <laughs> 
<laughs> Snag. <laughs> what was I thinking? Welcome to the third Sunday in ordinary time. And then you pan over to the band. <laughs> goodness oh there's this band and it's 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 simultaneously sad and horrific and hysterically funny I mean you're you're sitting there watching this and it's I mean imagine if you if if a if a horrible horrible car crash could be somehow funny. I mean, that's kind of the, that's the mixture of emotions you feel when watching this thing. It's just unbelievable. So, so Bergoglio comes out and says that this is the unique expression of the rope and right, and then just crawling out of the woodwork, bombarded are all of these puppet masses and clown masses. And what's the latest one? Um, on Sunday, bishops in, Germany were play were tossing a rugby ball back and forth to each other on, on, in the sanctuary during the mass. I mean, this stuff just keeps happening, mm. and it's pointing up the the absolute absurdity of the notion that you know this train wreck, which is the Novus Ordo paradigm, is the unique expression of the Roman right. I mean, everybody's just looking at this and saying. That's clearly objectively wrong. Well, of course, it's clearly objectively well, wrong. Well, and it and it also circles. I'm saying it, circles straight back to. Uh, and by is the way, is this a show title? Is this a show I, title? Well, you said it a minute ago too, so you're guilty. Um, All right, Jen Saki, the, go ahead. The uh, the uh, the mass in Florida. I I I actually missed the lecturette and I missed the band. I clicked off once he. I mean, I watched it for like. 20 seconds and I couldn't yeah. take it. So I clicked. So yeah. now you're the near, near occasion to sin. I'm going to have to go back and look at that whole thing because I, I have to see the band. Yeah. And, but no, my point is. <laughs> We're getting the band is, back together. <laughs> my, my, my point is, do you think, now circle back to, to, to Paul, uh, Father Paul Kramer. Yes. And, and uh, talking about the mass being invalidated. Mm -hmm. Do you really think that Boomer Lecter Karen? is going to put up any resistance to changes in the mass that quite obviously make it invalid. Well, it changes in the words of consecration. I mean, right. he's either going to change the words of consecration or he's going to do some BS maneuver like saying the priest um, internally inside of his head without moving his mouth makes his own... Um, act of uh, of of consecration of of the host and the chalice or something like that oh it could um, be any number of things it could be that the um the consecration uh, decreeing that the consecration doesn't take place unless a congregation is present and it's the congregation together with the priest that that um i don't know what the right word is executes the consecration I mean, there are yeah. there are different sects that believe these things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but that but that would leave well, but that that would leave some value. I think he I think this is he's going for the coup de gras, and I think Lucifer is going for the coup de gras, and I think they're going to do something. And remember, visibility and God is good, and it will be visible. Probably, if I had to lay if I had to lay odds, I'd say it would be an explicit changing of 
the words of consecration. And let's get go through some examples of what that might be. So it would be, so words of consecration is, this is my body. So let's just go with, with that, with just the consecration of the host. This is my body. Mm-hmm. Um, that it could be changed to, this is his body. That's invalidating. Um, this represents my body, mm-hmm. invalidating. This represents his body. Um, there, there's any anything, anything that you do to change the sentence, this is my body, invalidates it. So th- they're going to try to do all kinds of things to make it inclusive. And, and it would be, it would be so, if I'm not mistaken, there are already... I don't know how many Eucharistic prayers we're up to now. I mean, it's it's dozens and dozens of them. Oh yeah. That that the the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ is referred to after the consecration as bread and wine. Yeah, yeah. Already in several Eucharistic prayers. So yeah, yeah. it wouldn't take much. Wouldn't take much. Yep. So um, I'm. That's what I'm looking for is some sort of a declaration. Once he gets, once he he or they, uh, they are satisfied that they have uh, cleaned up the traditional Latin mass problem, which probably involves trying to get everybody hoarded into the SSPX and then and then issuing a proclamation that the SSPX is excommunicated, um, something like that. Um, which of course they wouldn't be because those people have no authority to do that. Um, so, well, they also um, wouldn't be because it would be an unjust. Right, act. exactly, exactly. So, I I think they're going to go full full hog, all in, changing the words of consecration. Now, an interesting question that a lot of people are overlooking and and isn't being talked about very much is um, the Byzantine Catholic rites. What are they going to do there? Mm. I I don't know. I haven't heard any scuttlebutt about any of that. Um, and again, there's not very many what of those. What are the numbers? I was going to say, what are the numbers there? Do you know? Um, 25 million in the entire world. Hmm. It, it's not many. It's not many. There's more Ukrainian, um, there's more Ukrainian Greek Catholics in Canada than there are in Ukraine. Hmm. So, Yeah. And then there are little micro, you know, Mozarabic and Ambrosian and and stuff like that. Well, Ambrosian is 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 kissing cousins with the Roman rite. Um, Byzantine, Byzantine, Eastern, Eastern. Um, there's there's not very many at all. Hmm. So just to to touch on that point about excommunications and what might happen if everybody's herded into the SSPX and. Would they, if there's an excommunication, if if it's unjust, it's not, that means it's not true. When Pope Benedict lifted the excommunications of the SSPX bishops, the document that he wrote basically admitted that they had never taken place because they mm-hmm. were unjust and, and mm-hmm. invalid. The way he wrote that made it pretty clear for people with eyes to see that they had never been really, truly excommunicated. Right. And then uh, with regards to Williamson, um, he, he was rehabilitated, quote unquote, by Pope Benedict. But then I think it was the SSPX themselves mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. said, y- you're out. But, w- but he's still a bishop. 
He, I mean, he was, he was completely um, sanated. I think sanated is probably the best word to use. He was completely sanated by Pope Benedict. And then whatever interior squabbles they're having with him inside the SSPX, that doesn't change the fact that Williamson is a completely sanated bishop. So I'm sure I'm sure if I'm and, wrong about and, this, that that uh, Vanessa will correct us both. So right, and he and he's also the bishop closer to the truth than probably anybody in the world. Yep, imagine <laughs> that. Mm. Yep, but again, if I'm not mistaken, he commemorates Francis at the Teigeter, which kind of leads in, which leads into a point um, that we can start to hit on right now, and that is. Why are none of these people resisting? Why are none of the Ecclesia Dei communities resisting any of this? Why is even the SSPX not resisting any of this? And, you know, trying to go out of their way to prove, oh, we are in union with Pope Francis, the Pope of Rome, blah, blah, blah. I have a theory. Do, do you have a theory about this? I have a theory, but it doesn't include an end game because it's so ridiculous that I can't see logically where they could be taking it, but you go first. Uh, my theory is because they're all, commem oh, I mean, almost all of them. There are a few who are secretly because in the Roman Rite, the canon is silent. And so the words of the Teigeter are not said with the voice. The priest, the priest can say whatever name he wants at the Teigeter for the name of the Pope, and no one would know. Mm -hmm. um, so, but my theory is, is that because almost all of them are commemorating the anti-Pope and they're saying Francis at the Teigeter, this is an illicity and it is, it's not good. And I don't think that you can honestly argue that doing that for nine years is not going to have any sort of a consequence to the man, to the priest who's doing it. And I think that what we're looking at here is the fact that all of these people have been offering the mass illicitly, validly but illicitly, and that that has resulted in a mass darkening of the intellect. And that's my theory about it. Hmm. And just uh, for, for clarity, for the listenership, valid but illicit. So if, if the priest is doing that and he is commemorating the antipope, the mass is still completely valid. The yes. consecration takes place, so have oh, no yeah. doubt about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, God, God is good, and we're not Donatists. That's right. So um, my theory is that they, because we've heard this, I've heard this from the pulpit. I'm talking about FSSP right now. Uh, heard it from the pulpit. I've seen it um, in written context in terms of press releases and and other sort of sermons and whatnot that they believe that they were founded. Well, that they're they're quick to remind that they were founded by a saint, Saint John Paul II, and that uh, their constitutions are sacred and based on certain assumptions that because of the way they were written, they can never be abrogated. So they're, uh, th these people are thinking that the law actually means something to criminals. Yeah. That's not well, going to end well, guys. Yeah, and oh, I, I just heard an Ecclesia Day priest say this um, within the past week. Get, now, get this for circular arguing. The question that was put to him was... Um, you know, 
he Bergoglio is clearly driving to destroy you. And his and his response was the only way Bergoglio could destroy us is if he actually is the Pope. So if he destroys us, that's proof that he is the Pope. And if he doesn't destroy us and he's thwarted, then that's also proof that he's the Pope because of papal infallibility. How about Ooh. them apples? How about, how about that begging the question? How about that circular argument? No matter what happens, no matter what happens, it's gonna be proof that Bergoglio's the Pope. And I'm just like, That's you like the have thing and its opposite can both me. be true. Yeah, and well, yes. Oh <laughs> my, my goodness. That, that <laughs> pesky law of non-contradiction raising its ugly head. No guys, these people are, th these people seriously are thinking like this. How can intelligent, educated people be this warped in their thinking and i am absolutely convinced that it is because they have been offering the mass illicitly and they should have known better okay well if that's true if that's if that's the root then what do because i i think not only of the priests i think even more about the seminarians mm -hmm. what are they thinking what are the ones that have two or three years yet to go in uh, FSSP um, seminary. What? Yeah. What? What? How are they processing this? That they don't even have. They haven't even been ordained, and the and whole they're thing being could, told that they can't be ordained. Right. In the Roman Rite, they can't be ordained in the Roman Rite. Yeah. Oh, you mean the ordination itself? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. But they're also being told that uh, even if they are ordained, they have no permission. Yep to say the old right without specifically having it granted by the Pope. Yep. So that that's, boy, pray for these seminarians, yeah. uh, especially folks. It's, this is, uh, uh, I don't know. I don't me, know. Me, I, thinks, I, me thinks that Denton and V. Gretzbad and Graciliano are going to find themselves within the next year or so with quite a bit of empty space, mm. I, I suspect. There are going to be some of them who stick around and say, just get ordained and then, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to fight from the inside and I have no problem offering the mass um, with, without permission from X, Y, and Z. But uh, yeah, I do think that a lot of them are going, to, are going to say, if I can't live my priesthood openly, then no, I'm just going to, I'm going to go get married and have kids. And can, can any of us blame them? Right. If 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 you know that no one is going to have your back, and that not not only does no one have you have your back, but that whoever it is that's down there in Vatican City is gunning to destroy you, and you have the and and the and the commitment to persist in all of this is as Dennis Miller put it, no chicks and no bread forever. Um. How many of these guys are just going to say, okay, I'm, I'm just going to go get married and have kids and I'll contribute to the restoration of the post-Christian West by reproducing? Mm -hmm. I, I, can't, I can't say that that's, that that's an objectively wrong choice. The, the thought of having two, three, four, five years left of seminary study before your ordination and your 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 staring down the barrel of a long gun um 
I don't know. I don't know how I'd stay. Yeah. You know, you, you, you'd have to be looking at options and, um, yeah. As I said to someone the other day, uh, on a related topic, the SSPX is going to be very, very rich. Yeah. Well, they're, they're going to need about six Dillwins at this point. Yeah. At the, at the rate this is going. Um, well, and they're so. going to need, uh, they're going to need, they're going to need money because they're going to need much, much bigger churches. Yeah. And, uh, and it's, it's either buy them or build them. Yep. Yeah. It's, uh, the FSSP here has been, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure, uh, well, I, I know they've been siphoning off uh, the uh, the Mexicans from the Novus Ordo because mm -hmm. there is now oh, a Mexican sizable, love it. sizable, yeah. yeah, it's 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 very noticeable. And one of the masses now, ha the the sermon is uh, is preached in both languages, so. Mm -hmm. Mexican men despise sodomy. I, I had the privilege, and in retrospect, it was, it was bad, but it, in the year after I was first received into the church, they recruited me into doing prison ministry, and I would go into the Arapahoe County Jail and go down into the maximum security unit and do a, do a little Catholic thing with the inmates. And Mexican, thing number two I learned from that entire experience is that Mexican men despise sodomites and despise effeminates. And so, yeah, if you give Mexican men the choice between going to, you know, this priest in Venice, Florida, that we're going to post, and, you know, a lot of masses look like that, where mm -hmm. there's some simpering, smooth, um, um, effeminate man prancing around up on the altar, and you give the Mexican man the choice of going to the mass that they know um, people died for within a hundred years in the, the Freemasonic Civil War down there in Mexico. That's all fresh in all of those people's minds. Mm -hmm. Most of the, a lot of Mexicans can name off, you know, great uncles or or somebody who got killed in all of that. Um, so you give them the choice to go to a masculine, virile, traditional Latin mass, they're they're going to jump all over it. And then, oh, good heavens, if they if the if the sermon is being uh, preached in Spanish or in both languages. Ho, 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 look out, look mm -hmm. out. And, and you can do catechism for their kids in Spanish. Ho, 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 yes. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, it's, uh, even if they had never been exposed to the Latin mass, you, you would think that the, uh, mm -hmm. the Mexican man, once exposed to it, yeah. would be like, drop everything. Yep. <laughs> this is obviously what we need to do. Yep. And not only his immediate family, but his extended family, because they yep. do everything as an extended family. And then the third step is that the entire community is so close-knit that you could see how it would snowball. Oh, yeah. They're going to need a lot more churches. Yes, so anyway, the, the FSSP here now, they actually do have two churches, neither mm -hmm. one of which is big enough in itself to, to have you know satisfied the need. Mm -hmm. And now the, the second church has only been open for, uh, I want to say, it might have been the first, 
I think it was the first Sunday in Advent that they consecrated it. And so there's a number of masses at each church each Sunday, and there's there's uh, the daily masses, or it's kind of mixed up, and I don't have it memorized yet. But they're already full. Like, it's already overflowing. The solution to the overflowing church is already not a solution anymore two months later. Yep, so that's, that's the kind I'm of talking inf- about. Yep. that's the kind of influx from the Novus Order, whether it's you know uh, what what uh, cross section of society it's coming from. It's coming from the Novus Ordo, and I've got to tell you, the SSPX. I'm normally only there on the weekdays because their mass times work better for me. Mm-hmm. It's it's probably been at least six months to nine months that I've been there on a Sunday, and I found myself there on a Sunday. I don't know, two weeks, two weeks, three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Whew, let me tell you. And that is a cathedral sized church. It was packed. It was packed. And how many masses do they do on Sunday? They do three, which isn't enough. There's four of them. There's four priests. So mm-hmm. they're, they're going to need to expand that. They never would have needed more than three. Yep. Um, before the end, you know, the, 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 making air quotes, pandemic mm-hmm. had a lot to do with this too, because you couldn't go to mass. You couldn't, in a lot of cases, access any of the sacraments for, mm-hmm. I mean, at least a couple months mm-hmm. if you weren't going to one of these two places. So that's yeah. that was also probably the first time a lot of people were exposed to um, the traditional sacraments. Yep. So, you know, even... Uh, wretched society wrecking uh, schemes mm-hmm. can have, uh, you know, God can make good come out of anything. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Oh, totally, totally, totally. In fact, you could even make a good argument that everything that that his permissive will permits to happen, that he makes it so that it ultimately drives to some towards some greater good, including wars and everything else. I mean, how many people do you know of that their parents met you know, as the result of being thrown together in a war. Uh, A lot of people, a lot of people in the United States are descended from war marriages and things like that. So, Well, we can absolutely say that nothing is, uh, his permissive will only allows things, bad things, to the extent that something good can come out of it. it. Anything beyond that would be uh, a violation of charity. Indeed, indeed. Uh, well said. And people, people, this goes down to every, every person's individual suffering in life. Everything that comes your way that seems like a cross mm-hmm. comes your way so that you can grab onto it and grab onto the, the, the grace that's being offered at the same time mm-hmm. and tie those things together and you unite yourself to the passion. Yep. That's Amen. how you advance in the in the spiritual life. And so many people, even daily mass going Catholics, don't understand what suffering is 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 made for. Not today, because we're such a soft society. We are so soft and we are so decadent. And most people, especially in the United States, are just outside of any living memory of any large-scale suffering at all. There hasn't mm-hmm. been there hasn't been hot war on the North American continent since early in the 20th century with the Mexican-American War or something like that. I mean, that that's it. So yep. um, and you know, even then, even then, you know what I marvel at? Look at people in New York City 
who lived through 9-11, and you would think that that would just radically alter a person's worldview for the rest of their life. You know, the, the, the salutary after effects of the horror of 9-11 in terms of people coming together and, well, we're all united and da-da-da-da-da, that, that, that lasted, I don't know, it, it could, it's measured in months. And now New York City is one of the most horrific places in the world in terms of the, the Naziistic nature of, of the COVIDic uh, religion and political system. So there, there's how, how, quickly, how quickly they forgot. So yeah, suffering is uh, made for, uh, it's allowed for our benefit. And mm -hmm. we need to grasp onto that and unite it to the cross. You know, now talking about uh, how soft it is, and yes, we can we contrast as as you and I can't recommend daily mass enough and get mm -hmm. and getting getting yourself in tuned to that calendar. It's like your your yeah. your body gets. I don't know how to describe that, but you know what I'm I'm talking about, and. On so many days, we're, we're, we read about the, the, the martyrs and yeah. how they met their end. And it's a daily reminder, or almost daily, of how little suffering we're asked to bear and how terribly we bear it. Yep. You know, when it, when it comes our way. Think about, okay, here I'm, I'm reading about uh, St. Agnes last mm -hmm. week and terrible torments and so on and so forth. And... You know, here I am irritated when my, when my internet goes out for ten minutes. Yeah, right. That yep. like that's what's that, that's these minor inconveniences in life uh, we think of as uh, you know we get worked up over it and man, just what I saw something within the past twenty four hours that someone was being facetious and saying, I went I went to the store. And they were out of triple cream brie, and I had to buy double cream brie. Mm. And just, God, how long will this last? You know, well, like, yeah. if you if you know what Anne just meant, you like I feel that a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> like if you really do know the difference. <laughs> when I first moved to Canada, twenty boy, twenty three years ago. Uh, you know, it's very European and, um, Quebec is really its own country and mm -hmm. really, really French. Quebec is great because they all speak English, but they're all French. So anything to do with food, oh man, you go into the supermarket in Quebec, uh, and really it's, it's, it's Ontario too, because there's so many, you know, crossover there's, when I say there's a cheese aisle, you don't have yeah. any idea what I'm talking about. Like yeah. it is just <laughs> ridiculous. Yep. And it's it's all imported. Um, don't ask for American cheese because they might escort you out. Mm-hmm. You know they don't even know what it is. It's all of this. Anyway, the French a, are referred to as cheese eating surrender monkeys for a reason <laughs> in both the first for, clause and in the second clause. Mm -hmm. Well, nurse, mm -hmm. nurse Claire has me dairy free for about the last two months. And it's uh, the cravings have, have finally sort of subsided. Um, 
but uh, yeah, that's another. What's the re- what's the rationale for being because everything, everything about the Kuf in all of its variants is and and when I say variants, know that I mean you know bioweapon. Uh, yeah. The the chief the 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 chief issue is not the Kuf, it's what comes afterward because mm-hmm. it triggers this this massive immune response not when you have it because it's not that bad in itself but Mm -hmm. the immune response that comes after and the cytokine storm which causes the the pneumonia it's not the coof that's in your lungs Mm -hmm. giving you pneumonia it's the cytokines it's your own immune response so it's all about suppressing that immune response and and doing everything anti-inflammatory that you can, so, and you know, lac- what lactose is inflammatory? I don't know if it's lactose, but it's something in dairy. Okay, that is inflammatory. So, and when you look at the uh, the frontline doctors and uh, b- both the prevention protocol and the early treatment protocol, three quarters of the things on there are anti-inflammatory. Anti-inflammatories. There's, yeah. There's there's no magic to it. I mean, ivermectin is a little bit of. Uh, I don't want to say magic, you know, like sorcery magic, but ivermectin is is almost miraculous in its, you know, in its origins mm-hmm. as well as in its in, in its actions. So mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. find we're gonna find out some. There's more to that that we don't know yet. You know, like yeah. it's, it's just what a story. Yep. <sighs> all right, we should get back to the anti papacy and the papacy and all that because there's a few more bullet points that we haven't hit. So and. What yes. happens if Benedict dies first? Oh, yeah, that's kind of important, isn't it? Oh, this is a good one. And we've talked about this before, but again, there's always new listeners, and it's always good to repeat because everybody has to have the answers for this ready to go. What happens if Pope Benedict XVI Ratzinger dies before Bergoglio? Well, friends, the sea will be vacant, and all the all the trad ink... Uh, Pundits say, ha ha, gotcha. You're a set of a cantist. Well, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if Benedict dies first. If, if there's Are no you going to hurt living... me with that word? <laughs> oh, man. Guys, think it through. If there's no living pope... The sea is vacant. I mean, it's it's so imbecilic. I, I it makes mm-hmm. me laugh now. And but really, what they're trying to do, and have been trying to do from the beginning, is they're trying to 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 um, character assassinate or paint all of us into the same corner with the people who say that the sea has been vacant since the death of Pius XII in 1958. And there are even other uh, factions of people who go all the way back and say, you know, Pius IX was the last pope, and uh, judge. It, it's, it's just ridiculous. And as I have said from the beginning, when someone comes at you and, and accuses you of being a set of vacantist because the, <laughs> the pope is still alive but at some point he is going to die and therefore you are of exactly the same ilk as people who think that there hasn't been a pope since 1958. there's one of two possibilities at play here folks and i'm i'm deathly serious about this 
either the person who is saying this is just terminally stupid or they are a malignant, manipulative liar. And it is one or the other. It is one or the other. There is no middle ground and there is no third way. Well, of course, if the sea is empty, if, if Pope Benedict dies, there's, there's not a pope. We're, we're in, in, we are in an interregnum. And again, it would be an opportunity for Cardinal Burke and everyone else to say, what has just gone on here? What has happened? You know, it's, a, it's presenting the opportunity. It's dropping the opportunity in everyone's lap to address what just happened. Um, and yeah, the clock will be running. And um, well, but Anne, if 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 Benedict dies first, and you know he and Bergoglio are each exercising part of the ministry, then wouldn't Bergoglio just become fully pope at that point? Nope. <laughs> no, nope, sorry. Works because I, I gave you a, a a false base premise there. Exactly. They're each exercising part of the ministry, and if one of them dies, then the other one takes over the full ministry. No, no, that's not where we are. That's that that is impossible. the The papacy is not a a college. It is not a collegial synodal office. It is an absolute monarchy that belongs to one man at a time. And that one man ceases to be the pope when he either dies or validly resigns. And there's no bifurcation, there's no sharing. So, I mean, now, it, just as you said that, something occurred to me, which had never really occurred to me before. Okay, <laughs> but by all of these people's logic, who are going along with this whole nonsense about there being, well, the spiritual contemplative Pope Benedict and the active governance of the church, um, Pope Bergoglio, okay, so if Pope Benedict dies, do we have to call a conclave and elect a spiritual pope? Mm. You see what I'm saying? Yes. Or, or, or if Bergoglio dies, if Bergoglio dies and Pope and Pope Benedict is still alive, do we call a conclave and do we elect a man who is only going to be the pope of the active governance of the church? Right. Oh. Logic oh, has consequences. It has big, big consequences. It tends to bang you over the head. And see, none of these people are addressing this, uh, going back to the point I made. Nobody, you know what, another thing that's interesting? Guess what, just about the only topic that is completely verboten in um, pontifical universities that offer uh, degrees and doctorates in canon law. Guess what the only topic that is completely verboten for writing a doctoral dissertation today in Rome on, on canon law is? Mark, do you want uh, to speculate a guess on that? Huh. Um... It would have to be around the specific canons in question, wouldn't it? It would, yeah. You are not allowed to investigate or write anything about Pope Benedict's resignation. So anything that would uh, investigate canons. 188. 188, 3, 332.2. One, one, one right, right, right. And 131.1, I think, mm -hmm. all, the, all the ones that we've cited. Well, isn't that interesting? You know why they won't allow anyone to write on it? Because if anyone sits down and thinks about this for even five minutes, much less spending years writing a doctoral dissertation, um, 
guess guess what people guess what kind of conclusion people mm-hmm. people's are people are going to start drawing yeah well it's it's not only the uh the 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 doctoral candidates apparently you can already have your phd and still be uh you know, shout it down into submission for, for suggesting such a oh, thing. Oh, absolutely. You, if you have Speaking any... Speaking of Dr. K here. <laughs> yes, nice segue there. I, I caught that one. <laughs> Checking them out. <laughs> um, if you have, if you are attached to or derive your income, your livelihood, or mm. roof over your head in any way from the institutional church... You, you may discuss anything. In fact, I think um, Peter Kwasniewski has even written some pieces which are, you know, halfway, halfway flattering to sedificantism. Now, I want to I wanna make sure that I point out that I think a couple episodes ago, whenever it was, I said, um, you know, at this point, intellectually, I have more respect for the set of position intellectually. Now it's wrong, it's wrong, but I mean, yeah, you could have a very robust conversation and have, have back and forth. At this point, I find that carrying on conversations with people, trying to argue about the legitimacy of the Bergolian papacy is just like beating your head against a wall. It, it's, it's maddening, it, it almost serves no purpose, it feels like, because like the example I just gave, well, if, if, if Francis suppresses us, it's proof that he's the Pope. The only way he could suppress is if he were the Pope. And if he doesn't, that's also proof that he's the Pope because it's papal infallibility. I mean, yeah, when, you, when you start conversing with someone and they're just sprinting headlong, diving off the diving board into, into an abyss of, the, of violating the law of non-contradiction, that, that's not enjoyable. Well, I, th- I, you know? I think your point with the with the SETIs is that at least dealing with them, you're not experiencing, you're not running up against intellectual dishonesty. Right. And you they, can't say the yeah. same thing about nope. everybody you're talking about on the other side here. Speaking of which, and again, I've said this before, Peter Kwasniewski is just about one of the nicest people in the world. Um, however... He really tripped up. What? How, how long has it go? Has it been now? Like three years? It was before the coup, so it would have been like 2018. In fact, I pulled the link up because oh, I've got it right in front of me. I do I too. A, I don't have a date on it, but I've got this. Um, uh, I do. Hold on. Let me scroll down. What's the date? It is May twenty. Uh, is this right? Oh, May, May 28th, 2019. May 29th, 2019. Okay, so yeah, before. Oh, the I've coup, got an but, early. I've got an earlier one than that. I've got one from May 28th, 2019. Do you think I might say something different? <laughs> Let's see. Uh, no, this, this is the original text. This is the original okay. text. Now, should I read it or should you read it? I think you should read it because, you know, Peter's a man and you're a man and it, it's, it's more in keeping. Okay, so this is a, a, an Amazon book review of... Uh, Antonio Saki's book. Sochi. Sochi's book. Um, what is it in Italian? Um, it was in Italian. Because it's mistranslated um, in... The secret, the secret of Benedict the Sixteenth. Um, why he's Why still he is still Pope. And Angelus Press, is it... Oh, no, Angelico. Angelico Press. Who Peter Kwasniewski worked at the time, and maybe still does, works for as an editor... 
This is why he left this review on mm. Amazon because he mm. works for Angelico and he's an editor and he was kind of involved to some extent. I don't think he was the main editor on this book, but you know, he works for Angelico. Well, this he, is this adds a complication to what I'm about to read is that he didn't disclose that in this review. Yeah, I know. That's fishy. Kind of naughty. Yeah. Um, so the Angelico um, changed the title of the of the book, which is Antonio Sochi is an Italian, and so it's it's originally written in Italian. Angelico wanted to publish it, um, contracted with a translator. The translator published it. Then Angelico Press insisted upon changing the title of the book from The Secret of Benedict XVI, Why He Is Still the Pope, to The Secret of Benedict XVI, Is He Still the Pope? Question mark. And Angel this was done under protest by both Sochi and mm. the translator. They, mm -hmm. both tr they both protested this, and Angelico said, Either we change it to, is he still the Pope? Or we don't publish. And Sochi was like, Psh, whatever, okay? So then um, Peter Kwasniewski, who works for Angelico, goes on Amazon and writes a review of this book. Mark, do you want to take it away? So it, those of you who don't know it or haven't read it, the conclusions are, you know, you might not agree with... Um, so she gets into a lot of Benedict's intent, which is kind of foolish because we can't really know that. Mm -hmm. And but so she thinks he knows what the intent was, and he's he's it's just his style that he's he's putting that out there as if it were fact, which it's conjecture. And the first act of Sochi's book, which I kind of didn't dig when it first came out and I read it, but in retrospect has aged very very well. The first act of the book is him talking about um, the American deep state and the CIA and Clinton and Podesta and wanting them wanting to do the Catholic spring and, and all that. And I'm kind of like, yeah, yeah, blah, 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 blah. Now in retrospect, you look at this and you're just like, okay, yeah, that, that is real and that is important and I'm glad it's in there. And then the second two thirds of the book goes into, um, well, the middle, the middle part is, is, Pope Benedict's resignation, and then then he talks about Fatima, doesn't he? Uh, yes, he does. Or pro or prophecies in general, prophecies right, in general. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and he actually stole that from you because you included the prophecies in your original mm -hmm. in your original Declaratio uh, yeah. to see. Okay. So here's so the conclusion, obviously, uh, from Sochi is that Benedict is still Pope. Mm -hmm. Here is the Sochi, the initial, um, the original, the first of five, I think, reviews oh, from, from, from Dr. K. I think there were at least eight. I read this book expecting to be a little skeptical of an author who would argue that Benedict XVI did not validly resign the papacy. After all, it sure looked as if he intended to do that in his famous speech of abdication, and the world seems to have accepted it as such. Sochi, however, persuaded me otherwise with his careful analysis of Benedict XVI's various utterances. Wait, on wait, the go, go back and say that again. Sochi, however, did however, what? persuaded me otherwise. Uh huh. That's a pretty clear. Um, pretty clear, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, very, XVI's various utterances on the subject, and there are a surprising number of them. Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Archbishop Gantzwein's 
speeches, and above all, the interpretations of canon lawyers, none of them traditionalists, by the way, mm-hmm. who have proved, who have proved, proved, who have proved in detail that the resignation lacks several conditions for validity. Now, now wait a minute. Let, let me read that and make sure I'm, I'm understanding this correctly. Who have proved in detail that the resignation lacks several conditions for validity. Boy, that's pretty damn clear too, isn't it? Yeah. It sure mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. And, and now this is an important qualifier because a lot of people are conflating, you know, the invalid, the, the, the invalid conclave was made invalid because of the scheming of the St. Galen or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, so, so the, whereas the real root, the real base premise is that the resignation was, was faulty. Um, he says the argument is not based on the St. Galen Mafia but on the inherent the inherent actions and statements of Benedict the 16th and others all publicly available in other words this is no conspiracy theory but in a soberly quotes. a in scare quotes but a soberly argued case mm-hmm. even those who think they have a watertight case in favor of validity should out of intellectual honesty grapple with what's what Sochi presents here if they can defeat his arguments, all the better for the de- for the defense of truth. If they cannot or will not, however, this would seem to indicate a moral or mental weakness. Mm-hmm. Um, Keep going. There's, there's one more. Okay, boy, you're really gonna <laughs> one more paragraph, folks. Uh, that is not the only aspect of this book I would praise. I also find much food for thought and prayer and Sochi speculations about the prophetic message of Fatima and a spiritual theological interpretation of the unprecedented situation in the Catholic Church. While I find his interpretation of Benedict XVI's motivations overly positive, as we do too, folks. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Again, so- mm-hmm. Sochi's saying this is all a grand design. Yeah. Uh, I think the way he tries to place current events in a prophetic and spe- specifically Marian context is extremely helpful. In short, highly recommended. Okay, so um, this is brought to my attention. I actually first laid eyes on this because somebody sent me an email and I was sitting at dinner waiting for my appetizer to come in a restaurant. And this restaurant has Wi-Fi and I had my phone. And so I'm looking at this. The first thing that I did was I emailed Peter and I said, is this you, did you write this? just making 100% sure that this isn't some pious liar who thinks that he's doing the world a favor by impersonating Peter Kwasniewski on Amazon. And Peter replied while I was still sitting there eating dinner saying, yes, that's absolutely me. And I said, okay, I'm going to go ahead and I said, okay, I'm going to publish this. And I published it. So then Okay, now the the review has been up on Amazon for 24 hours or more at that point. It was published the day before I saw it and was sitting at dinner. I publish it on my blog. And of course now, everybody in English-speaking tradidom, well, I'm flattering myself, many, many people in English-speaking tradidom see this, Frank Walker, links to my piece on Canon 212, et cetera, et cetera. 
Then Peter starts getting um, phone calls, messages, etc., from all of the other Trad Inc. pundits, including first and foremost, one that Peter was writing for under contract, who has since um, apostatized and is now an aggressive, um, anti-Catholic, atheist slash deist attacker of God specifically, calls God a monster, like frequently, and his holy church. Okay, that guy who Peter was contracted writing for on this guy's website, then contacts Peter. And, um, you know, I'm not privy to the conversation, but one can only imagine. Oh, I that am. All, you are? I made him send me copies of the emails. No way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and? And they weren't as threatening um, they were threatening in a passive aggressive way. Would, yeah. that, would that surprise you? <laughs> no, no. What are you talking about? Yeah. So the, well, c continue. Well, and, and that guy wasn't the only one. I mean, you know, Peter, Peter has his, um, has many irons in, in the fire. And so you can only imagine that once this drops on my website, as clearly stated as this was, that Peter starts panicking and realizing that his ability to earn a living and support his family is being um, seriously jeopardized by the fact that he by just intellectual said, honesty by intellectual honesty. Yep, exactly. And so, what happens? We all start noticing that this Amazon review starts changing little by little and it, it turned into basically this sport where all of tradidom is sitting there hitting the refresh button on the amazon.com <laughs> review watching peter kwasniewski in real time completely turn this re review around 180 degrees going from what you just heard the resignation lacks several conditions for validity. Um, this is no conspiracy theory, but a soberly argued case. Um, you know, if, if they cannot or will not, however, you know, rebut this, this would seem to indicate a moral or mental weakness. Um, Peter, by the time Peter was done, I lost count at eight. There were eight revisions. By the time he was done, and um, other people said that they saw 12, that the whole thing had been turned completely around to, this is, this is just a load of hooey. Um, Peter completely turned himself around and then came out and said, well, you know, uh, what I meant to write from the very beginning was that, no, th this was completely unconvincing and, and the theory doesn't hold water and it's, it, was, it was just no good. I, I just wrote my initial um, review, you know, poorly with a lack of clarity. You've got to be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me, Peter. Do you think anybody bought that for a second? 
Peter, do you actually think that anyone believes that you have such a dismal command of the English language, which is your mother tongue, that you didn't perfectly understand what the words, the resignation lacks several conditions for validity means? That you didn't understand what the words, this is no conspiracy theory, but a soberly argued case. That you had no idea what those words meant. In fact, you were so oblivious to what those words meant that they meant exactly the opposite of the position that you held in your own mind. You and, have and, got and, to be kidding me. And, and it ahead. gets one step worse, which is that he further claimed that the revised, uh, what the what he ended up revising, his end product, wasn't materially different from the first version. So that's like taking it another step and saying, well, no, my, I, I changed some things in the review, but they weren't material. Well, I'm sorry, saying the 180 degree opposite degree, yeah. of what you originally wrote isn't material, materially changing the, the substance? Yeah, it's <laughs> Yeah, no. Yeah, no. And but now think about this guys. This is May of 2019. Think about all of the coercion and bullying and things that people have done over the last 2 years because because of the Covid putsch. And you know, we saw this going on with the anti-papacy. You see people like Peter Kwasniewski just literally turning themselves into pretzel knots, trying to stay in the good graces and go along to get along with a criminal usurper anti-pope. And this I, is what I, we're I, up against yeah. even today. You know, that was three years ago. And we're not, you know, I'm sorry to use him as an example, but um, it's part of a much broader psychosis almost mm -hmm. that, you know, Dr. Matza is trying to invite himself. He's on several different platforms. He's routinely interviewed by Timothy Flanders and, you know, on a number of different podcasts and and uh, and actually uh, scheduled shows. Mm -hmm. He's trying to get anyone in the establishment trad, semi-trad world to give him a platform to, not for a monologue, make it a debate. Let's yeah. let's you know set it up however you want. You don't have to give me an open mic, uh, but at least let me present the case, and you you can you know whoever the host is that he's talking to, you can poke at it all you want. Yeah, let's just have this. They won't do it. They won't do it. And you know what? They, what else they do? One of the things that they say is they say, "Oh, I'm completely familiar with all of your arguments, and they just don't hold water. I've reviewed everything that you've said, and it just no." And if you engage these people in conversation and kind of, in a sense, voir dire them and see if they actually do have any sort of working knowledge of what the arguments are, what Pope Benedict said on the 27th of February, what Ganswine said in his speech at the Gregorianum in May of 2016, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, or any of the canon law, or the Miller dissertation, or da 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 da, da any of these things. Mm -hmm. you, if you voir dire these people and say, well, so tell me, how exactly do you reconcile Canon 332.2 to Bergoglio's um, uh, final, quote unquote, final audience on the 27th of February, 2013? How do you reconcile those two things? Guys, you are going to get the blankest of blank stares you ever, you ever see in your life. 
I know. And, and then, the, and then if you ask them, um, that somebody did this to me a while back, like, oh yeah, I've, I've read, I read everything you've written on this and I'm just completely unconvinced. And I said, well, what are your thoughts on the Miller dissertation? Mm. <laughs> Woo! Absolutely yeah. blank. And like, and at that point, I mean, I was posting the Miller dissertation like once a week, you know, I was, I was posting, you know, quotations and plugs and here's where you go to buy it and da, 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 da. And, um, and it just absolutely had no clue. Well, you know, what they, what they say is, is the same thing they say about each individual piece of evidence. Well, that doesn't prove anything. That doesn't prove that this is what, uh, I'm talking about the Miller dissertation. Uh, mm -hmm. you, you, just because Ratzinger may have been thinking something or the circle that he ran with happened to be thinking something back in 1968, that doesn't have anything to do with this. Well, every the the individual pieces of evidence don't have to stand on their own for the entire weight of the case. Yeah, it's bringing together the mm -hmm. evidence and seeing whether there's enough of it to at least raise someone in, in, with with legitimate authority raise their hand and say there seems to be a problem here. Yeah, I'm not declaring anything definitively, but. Um, Here's 27 bits of evidence that all point to Benedict being Pope. I think we need to look at this. Yeah. And, and two dozen of those 27, um, if they are in fact true, point directly toward um, an attack on the divinity of Christ. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, right. you know, never mind that. <laughs> never mind that. You know, if, if, um, if Bergoglio is the Pope, then um then xyz and xyz logical progression either x or y as as consecutive logical corollaries you're you're at a denial of the divinity of christ mm -hmm. and and they've and they've started doing this trading people have started doing this they've started saying things like um what is it matthew chapter 19 the i will give you the keys uh the discourse to peter Oh, what chapter is it? Um, is it 19? Or 19 is no, marriage, isn't it? It's 19th yeah. is marriage. 18, uh, chapter 18 is the keys. And it's the, but that, I don't think that's to Peter. That's the keys are given to the apostles. Or the, it's that the. No, that thou art Peter. Thou art Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church, da, 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 da. And, I, and I've seen Trad Inc. people say, well, you know, the gospels were written by power hungry men. And that was probably all just added after the fact in order to arrogate, arrogate temp temporal power unto themselves. These trading people are literally attacking the inerrancy of the Gospels at mm. this point. I well, you're mean, not Catholic. You're not Catholic. You're not if Catholic. You do that. Yep. And I mean, and this instantaneously. It's Bergol if you hold the base premise, the false base premise that Bergoglio was the Pope, you are, for all intents and purposes, instantly at the point where you are denying the divinity of Christ. Sure seems and that then, way to me. If you, if, you deny, if you deny the divinity of Christ, then therefore there is no church, right? I mean, that's, that's a pretty obvious logical corollary. If mm -hmm. he's not God, then there is no church. If there is no church, then there is no pope. 
There's no papacy. It's, it's all a fiction. So why in the world do I have to say that Bergoglio is the Pope when your own base premise leads instantly to, to the logical corollary that the church and the papacy don't even exist? Mm. This, this is how absolutely screwy it is to be in the Francis's Pope um, camp at this point. And it's almost all of them. It's almost all of them. But that's okay. It's never mm. been a numbers game. Mm. Well, as you said, um, I don't know where you said it, I think in the last podcast, that things, when, when this thing breaks, it's going to break hard. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. you know, it might feel like it's been, you know, nine years of hell under uh, the presumed leadership of Bergoglio. Yep. It's been um, coming up on six years for you, five years for me of mm -hmm. figuring out what's really going on here. Mm -hmm. And does, do we get frustrated? Do we lose patience? Well, pray for patience and, you know, pray your rosary and you will have uh, peace and calm and, and you know, you will, you will wait for this thing to out. And once it does, once that first domino falls, yep. ugh, it's, it's going to go, it's, it's going to be it's, quick. It's going to be a matter of days. It'll be less than a week and the whole thing will break open. Now, this leads to a very important little um, mini rant of mine. And that is when this happens, all of these people are going to turn on a dime and they're going to start saying stuff like, we knew all along that Pope Benedict didn't really resign. We knew all along that Pope Benedict was actually the Pope the whole time. Now, we all know that that's going to be just categorical nonsense, that these people are going to be doing cover their, cover their rear end maneuvers. Oh, oh, you cannot be... Um, angry, resentful, any of that, and you cannot be demanding credit. I, I don't care. Right. I do not care. If I, if I am completely forgotten and, I mean, let's pull a name out of the air, uh, Taylor Marshall. Let's, let, let's say Taylor Marshall goes down in history as the man who completely exposed the Bergoglian anti-papacy. Dude, whatever. Whatever. Right. I'm not, I'm not going to say a word. If you're in this game because you want credit and you want everyone to say, oh, you were right, you were right, and everyone else was wrong, you knew this for, you know, low these X number of years, you were right all along. If that's why you're in this and that's what's driving you, you better check yourself right quick because it can have nothing to do with that. When it breaks and it breaks fast and all these people turn on a dime, I, I don't care. I don't care. Just let the truth out. And if, if all these other people want to take credit for knowing about it the whole time and that they were secretly down low Benedictus Pope all along, they were just they were just keeping it, you know, they were just keeping it quiet, you know. If that's what they want to say, fine. That is absolutely fine by me. No problem. And there, there's going to be a serious temptation to, you know, point fingers and say, well, you know, you had the moral obligation if you knew this to, to if you had a platform of or authority of any sort, you had the moral duty to come forth with uh, come forth with that and proclaim it publicly. Why didn't you do, folks? Just just let, let it, it come out, let yep. it go, and 
yeah, I cannot wait for the day where you and I don't have to do this anymore. Yeah, well, exactly. And, you know, and and I don't know if the coof is ever going to go away, but I'd love for that to happen too, so we can get back to writing sacred things. I'd love instead to get a job. I, I, I'd love being... to get a job. I'd love to get a job and like wash dishes in a restaurant or something. Oh, nothing would make me happier. Nothing would make me happier. Uh, yeah, no, I I don't care. And um, you've you've got to watch that temptation for. Um, the prideful desire to be vindicated for self-vindication and you know yep. it's it's tough it's down in there and it's 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 there for real but you've got to get on top of that and let's see what mystery of the rosary would that be that would be like i don't know carrying the cross the pa patience um the desire to not be oh uh for first joyful obviously the the annunciation fruit of the mystery is humility humility yep yeah um and then of course fourth joyful love of the law we we love the law you know for its own sake because the law is is our lord himself it's it's directly derivative of of himself so yeah there's all kinds of little contributing things why you Pray mm -hmm. the rosary. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. So uh, we're sort of up against it on time, I think. Okay. Um, do you agree? I agree. I, I think we hit all of our bullet points pretty good, didn't we? We didn't leave any big glaring things out. Uh, we got that. We got that. We got that. Um, yeah, I think I think we checked off our list. Okay. Well, I'll do the um, the wrap-up, and then we've got the special collect for the resolution of the situation right yes do you have it in front of you i sure do oh, okay excellent feedback the email address for the show if you have any suggestions is podcast at barnhart.biz masses for ants benefactors thank you all very much at least mm -hmm. one mass every day plus one requiem every week for everyone who died in the previous week uh, please pray for the priests who are performing these masses. Please, please. You have no idea. No idea. I don't either, but I know yeah. some things. Uh, the spiritual attacks that these priests are experiencing mm -hmm. right now in, 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 in all of the, the, the multiple situations that we find ourselves in these days, uh, they, they really need it. So please set aside in your, in your, Include them in, in your intentions every day. Yes. Uh, the Barnhart Podcast is a production of Super Nerd Media. If you got some value out of this or previous podcasts and would like to return some value, please visit supernerdmedia.com for more information. Uh, even though he's not on this recording, he actually Even is. though we're fighting again. <laughs> that, oh, really? No, no, no. <laughs> time he's not on it's oh you guys are fighting again <laughs> well let me about. let me just say this in 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 all seriousness there I, I thought about this multiple times listening to the last podcast uh, which i just did yesterday um there needs to be more of that I probably should be doing this on the probably doing this privately but you guys are so good together uh regardless of the ancillary like guest hosting podcasts that you have I, and I'm sure I speak for the, for the listenership, I'd really love to hear just the two of you 
uh, on a more regular basis because there is a chemistry and a flow there, the way you guys <laughs> feed off each other. I learned something new in every one of those podcasts. Aww. And, you know, it's, it's, it's really good. So Thanks. Please. We, we are as... masters of going off on wild tangents. So, and <laughs> if you're going to be a good podcast, that's what you have to be able to do. So, that's right. <laughs> that's right. So, uh, supermedia.com, uh, again, he's doing all of the editing, everything behind what you're hearing right now is what not, is not what goes into the recording, it's what comes out of the recording. And that's all super nerd. He yep. also keeps Anne's site and mine uh, protected against. Um, all enemies, foreign and All domestic. All enemies, uh, <laughs> foreign and domestic. And that's, uh, I, I got to write a post about the uh, misinformation campaign against misinformation, which is uh, being enjoined by all the major media groups just in the la less than a week ago. Uh, I'll, I'll write that up and get it out. But With anti-Pope Bergoglio leading mm, the charge. That's right. Yep. That's right. To st absolutely stamp out... Uh, I don't know. It's incredible. Descent, yeah. I'll yeah. write it up. And now Anne does her thing for the Matthew 1720. Matthew 1720 intention every day, fast twice a week, if you can. Fourfold intention that um, Bergoglio be publicly recognized and removed as anti-Pope and the whole thing be nullified. That Pope Benedict Ratzinger be publicly recognized as having been the one and only living Pope since April of 2005 that Bergoglio repent, revert to Catholicism, die in the state of grace in the fullness of time. Don't be praying for his death to be hastened because good grief does he have a lot of work to do himself in order to be able to make it through his particular judgment. He needs all the time he can get. Um, and that Bergoglio someday achieve the beatific vision Nothing's impossible, guys, and I've said it before, if, if Bergoglio is in fact the false prophet forerunner of the Antichrist, it is, it is theoretically and conceivably possible that he could be the anti-Judas, that, he, he, that the false prophet forerunner of the Antichrist could conceivably repent and die in friendship with Christ, because if, if that weren't possible, then that would mean that he was... Um, that he was irrevocably damned, that he was born damned. And that's not the case. Our Lord's mercy is infinite, even to Bergoglio. Um, and that Pope Benedict Ratzinger repent of anything he might need to repent of, that he dies in the state of grace in the fullness of time, and that he someday achieves the beatific vision. Nothing less will do. Our Lady of Copacabana, slayer of the of the pachamama demon pray for us pray for us indeed and now our collect almighty in the name of the father and the son and the holy ghost um, almighty god the sovereign of all things who gave the keys of the kingdom to your servant peter and his validly elected successors grant we beseech thee that your church here on earth be quickly cleansed of the modernist infiltration all immoral clerics and all other corruption, that anti-Pope Jorge Bergoglio's invalid election be publicly recognized and completely nullified before the death of your servant, Pope Benedict XVI, that Bergoglio repent, return to the one holy Catholic faith, and that in the fullness of time, of your time, die in a state of grace and achieve the beatific vision. All this we ask through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Ghost, one God, 
now and forever. Amen. Amen. Oh, that's so Father, strong. And the Son. I mean, we've read that how many times, but every time it's like... I mean, it's just like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it makes the hair on your arm stand up. That's, that is strength. All right. Yeah. Well, sir, I, I certainly appreciate you and you uh, spending your time with me this day. And happy feast tomorrow, eh? Uh, I'm always happy to be here. Happy vigil and happy feast indeed. Uh, until next time, I'm Mark. Stay frosty, my friends. And I'm Anne. Thanks, guys. God bless. The French are referred to as cheese-eating surrender monkeys for a reason.